0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Are you being led by God? Unless you are committed to His will, unless you desire to serve Him, you are not going to be led by God. It's only those who have taken hold of His truth who understand his revelation and who desire to submit to these things that God is going to position in his will. As I've said many times, a person will never just stumble upon God's will. God's purpose is God's plan for, for their life. It's only a submissive following that will cause you to be led Position by God, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Esther and chapter 4. Now, we're going to begin this chapter this evening. We'll complete it, God willing, next week. But this fourth chapter is a marvelous chapter, especially next week. We're going to learn some key theological principles that really show and manifest. That, that one particular theological perspective is not of God. It is a false teaching. We'll say more about that next week. But I want you to look at chapter four, verse one, and we're gonna focus in on Mordecai's leadership and how he was one who heard from God, acted in accordance to the truth of God, And influence others to do that same thing. Chapter 4, verse 1. Notice what it says here. And Mordecai, he knew all which had been done. Now, what are we speaking about? He knew about Haman. He knew about this plot. He knew about this money that had been paid into the king's treasury. He knew that there was now in force moving through. It's fulfillment, this plan to exterminate all the Jewish people in this empire. So we read in verse 1, and Mordecai knew all what had been done, and notice his response. We read in the second part of this verse, and he tore, that is, Mordecai tore his garments, and he put on, he clothed himself in, in sackcloth, and in ashes. This means he put ashes upon his body and sat upon them as well. And then we're told he goes out, he went out into the midst of the city. And what that is said next is of great, great significance. We read, which means, he cried out, "Zaka gedula," a great and bitter cry or scream might be a more appropriate way to understand this. Now, this word for scream, whether we deal with the verb or the noun, both appear here. They begin, these two words, same root, they begin with the same letter, a Zine. That's why it's za'aka. About, there's another word in Hebrew that that has the same meaning in a simple way. But it's not za'aka, but rather it's Instead of a zine, it's a sade. Instead of a z sound, it's a tz or ts. Very similar. In hearing, but there's a slight difference. Now, Mordecai, when he heard about all these things, that it was now in force, things were moving along, this plan, this plan of Haman, he went out and publicly in sackcloth and in ash, he cried out, he screamed a loud and bitter scream. Now, I want us to turn to another passage of Scripture. Look, if you would, to the book of Genesis for a moment, the book of Genesis and chapter 27. Now, there's another one who did something most similar, but here's the difference. Instead of it being exactly written like Mordecai did with a zine, it's with that sade. So here we find that that Esav, that is Esau. Esau, the New Testament says, that he is a a perverse and wicked man. Look some time at the book of Hebrews. Esau, God hated. Now it's amazing to me that there are individuals, for example, Andy Stanley, Ravi Zacharias obviously before he passed away, and a few others of of renown within the Christian community. And they always, when they look at Genesis 27, they praise Esau and they condemn Jacob, Yaakov. This shows that they do not know the word of God. They do not agree with the perspective of God because Jacob, He had purchased the birthright. And with that birthright comes the blessing. It was not Jacob who was the surplanner, meaning the deceiver, but it was Esau. He sold it, but yet he tried to get the blessing. Why? Well, when Esau heard that Jacob had already been blessed, what did he do? Well, look at this passage, and I'm reading from Genesis 27, verse, verse 34. It says, Kishmoa Esav et Divrei Aviv. When Esau heard the words of his father, what did he do? Va Yitzak, Tzaka, Gedula, ad meot. Very similar. But instead of it being za'aka, it ta'aka. Now, what's the difference? Well, it's very simple. Esau, he cried out. Why? Because the will of God was, in fact, being done. Learn something. Everything that Yaakov, that is Jacob, he did. He did because his mother, Rifka, Rebecca. She received prophetic instruction from God, and she, read carefully Genesis 27, she instructed Jacob what to do. And God moved in this exactly as he said he was going to do. The problem is people forget the prophetic instruction that God gave Rebekah for these two sons. Jacob was submissive. Esau was rebellious. Esau was the deceiver. And I don't know why it is, but so many times when I share this, we have such a harsh and angry response from supposedly believers. Does not the scripture say that Esau was a perverse and wicked man? God hated him, but God loved Jacob. We don't see ever the expression, the God of Esau, but we see repeatedly in the scripture, the God of Jacob. Let's be biblically sound. Let's agree with God rather than agreeing with propaganda from those who do not know the truth of God, do not study things in the language of the scripture. So instead of it being, It says, very similar, but that difference means that Esau was upset that the will of God was being fulfilled with Jacob. And when Mordecai cried out, that different letter implies that he was grieved. He was screaming for that which was against God's will. Esau wanted that which was against God's will. Mordecai did not. Let's go back to our passage in Esther chapter four, and we're now ready for verse two. We read, and he came unto before, now that sounds odd in English, but that's what it says. And he came unto before the gate of the king. For there is not to come, meaning it's not allowed to come to the gate of the king, dressed how? Dressed in in sackcloth. Verse 3. Now, Mordecai, he was there publicly, mourning, repenting, grieving, screaming out, because what had been done, this evil plan that's now in force, And we read, just like Mordecai was grieved, notice what it says in verse 3. And in every providence, and providence, a place, meaning every place, where the word of the king and his edict, that means his law, arrives. What happened? That edict came, and there was evil Gedol, Liudim. There was mourning, this means mourning like one who had died, mourning, great mourning to the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and lamentation with sackcloth and ash that was spread out, and the last word is, la Rabim. What does that mean? By many, or it can be expressed, which means Publicly. Now, this emphasized something, and that's this. When something is in conflict with the will of God, we're supposed to be grieved about that and let others know it, do it publicly. We're not called to to be pushed aside, but we're called to be vocal, visible. When things are against the purposes of God, let others know that you stand against it. That's what Mordecai did, and the message of the text is he was doing it, and this led others in all the Jewish communities in this empire to do so publicly. Verse 4 We read here, and the young women remember Esther, she had seven young women, probably teenage girls assigned to her, and they came, and also the the servants, these are the eunuchs, her eunuchs, and they told her, so these young women and the eunuchs that were assigned to her, they came to her, and they told her, and notice what it says, and she was, and there's many different interpretations, definitions for this word, word, but it means to be hollowed out. Now, some Bibles say she was confused, she was bewildered, she was was greatly afraid when she heard what Mordecai was doing. That he was there publicly lamenting and in sackcloth and ash, crying out in a public way. She was deeply concerned about this. And we'll see why in a moment, but look again at verse 4. The young women of Esther and her eunuchs, they came and they told her, and then we read, the queen was bewildered greatly. And she said, this could be a word for being afraid as well, or, or not in agreement, almost being angered by this in disagreement, so she sent clothes to dress Mordecai. she didn't want him in this outfit to remove his sackcloth from upon him, but notice what it says at the end of verse four Velo kibel he did not receive now we have in this chapter something unique. All her life, from the moment that Mordecai brought her into his household and loved her like his daughter and trained her like a godly man trains his children, she was submissive. Now she's a queen, and she's always been in this whole process leading up to her being queen. She's always been submissive. But now she sees something, and she doesn't like it. She's not in agreement with it. She's confused by it. It disturbs her, and therefore she sends these clothes, but he would not receive it. Verse 5, and Esther, she called to a man by the name of Hatach. And he was one of the the eunuchs, meaning the servants of the king, which stood before her, meaning she and him. They were in that same location in the palace, and he was a trusted official of the king, but also Esther. She, as we know, knew him as well. And she commanded him concerning Mordecai to know what this is and why this is. So what is this and why concerning what is this? So she didn't understand why he would do what he was doing and why he refused the garment she she sent him. So it's very important. I want to get this correct. It says here at the end of verse five, Ladat to know, Maze what is this? And concerning what this is, meaning why is he doing this? Verse six, in obedience to Esther, we find that hatach, he went forth to Mordecai, to the square of the city, the most public place of the city, which is before the gate of, of the king verse 7 and and Mordecai told him all which had happened to him now this means everything that that he was aware of from his perspective this meant about Haman's promotion this law that everyone had to bow down to him and how Haman was angry and that he had this plot to exterminate all the Jewish people, and that he gave this large sum of money, a serit kikarim uh, kesef, 10,000 talents of silver into the king's treasury. So we read that all that happened to him, the the amount of money which Haman said to be paid out, literally to be weighed out into the royal treasury, and and this was all for the purpose, meaning with this money, the Jews, they were to be destroyed. So we see, undeniably, Haman is responding to what Haman has put into force. Verse eight. He didn't stop there, it says, look at verse eight. And the copy that was written of the king's edict this is the law which was given throughout shushan and what did this edict this law say to destroy them meaning destroy the jewish people it was given to him to show esther so haman excuse me mordecai what haman wrote mordecai took one of these written edicts and gave it to Hathach in order that he would show to Esther and tell her and to do something else, to command concerning her that she would go to the king and to beseech him and to seek from him concerning her people. Now, two very important things. First of all, it's been emphasized that Mordecai said, do not reveal who your people are. Now, at this time is the right time. God is at work in giving instruction to Mordecai. It was God who led him to say to Esther, don't tell anyone your heritage, your people. She was obedient. It could have cost her her life, cost her being queen. She could have been punished severely, but yet she obeyed Mordecai. And now he's saying, this is the time for you to reveal it. But you have to go before the king. And notice how significant that commandment from Mordecai to Esther is. Look now, if you would, to verse verse 9. We read, and Mordecai had told Hathach this to tell Esther. And we read, Hatach, he came and he said to Esther the words of Mordecai. So everything is now being told to her that she might know Verse 10, and Esther said to Hattach and commanded him to Mordecai, meaning Esther, she heard this and she responded. She gave a command to Hattach that he would go to return to Mordecai with this instruction. Now, verse 11 is a very important verse. It's a verse that tells us of a quandary that Esther's going to be in. What we're going to emphasize in great detail next week. Because next week we're going to begin with this same verse. So notice what she is called to do. She is called at that moment to go to the king, Ahasuerus Reveal to him her people, and in regard to this edict that's gone forth, to intercede to him, to beg and to seek relief from the king. But notice what she says. Look now to verse 11. See, you might hear that and think, well, this is a reasonable thing to do, but if Esther does this exactly as Mordecai says, she is putting her life to risk now two things are going to be told us look at verse eleven all the servants of the king and and the implication is all the people of the provenances of the king all know something what does all the servants and all the people of this empire know that everyone, whether it's man or woman, which comes to the king, to that that inner courtyard, which was not called, meaning this, Esther, she's queen, but she cannot just at any time she wants go into the king's presence. She can only go into the king's presence with his permission. Everyone knows, as a matter of fact, that if someone approaches the king without permission, there's one thing that's going to happen to him. Everyone knows that. And what is that? Goes on and says, One is the law for such a person, and that is l'amit, to put to death that one. So Esther is saying, Mordecai, if I obey you, and I simply go at this moment with urgency to the king, and say to the king what you want me to do, I'll come into his presence, and I don't have his permission and he can give the order, and one is the law, just one outcome, and that is, I will be put to death. Now, there is an exception. The next word is levad, meaning alone. There's one thing alone that can be done for such a person that does that. It says, except if the king stretches for, forth by him this this golden scepter if so that person lives she says i'll live now you would think for a moment that it would be reasonable to think that if esther this this queen of ahashuerosh this one who has found favor and grace in his sight. If she came before him, might be reasonable to to assume that he would stretch forth this golden scepter and receive her, and she would live. But notice how this verse concludes. It says here, But I, and this is emphatic, but I have not been called to come to the king these 30 days. Now, there are two predominant interpretations of what she's saying here. First of all, think of this. 30 days have gone by and she has not seen the king's faith been in his presence. Now, if I were to tell you, oh, by the way, my wife who lives in the same place I do, but I haven't seen her for 30 days, you would probably think there's a problem. And you would be right. That's not normal for us. So what she's saying is this many scholars believe that she's saying the king is angry with me. He's not interested in me and if i come before him uncalled uninvited he will use this law in order to put me to death so it's not wise that i do this and notice she says 30 days in the scripture 30 relates to death we know for example when when miriam died the congregation of israel mourned for her For 30 days. Also, when her brother, Aharon, Aaron, the brother of Moses and Miriam, when he died, same thing. Also, we see in the scripture that 30, 30 pieces of silver is what Judas received to betray Yeshua to death. And also it says that Yeshua began his ministry approximately at the age of 30. 30 relates to death. It's to tell us that his ministry, he was sent into this world to die. So she's saying here, and the text is hinting, if she goes, she is going to die. This is what she believes. Now, that's the first and the primary interpretation. There is another one from the rabbis. And what do some of them say? Because the first one is the predominant rabbinical view, the second one, is also well-known but probably less persuasive what she's saying is this i haven't been called by the king in 30 days that's a long time and probably if if not not uh, tonight maybe tomorrow if not tomorrow the next day but soon it's been 30 days so soon he's bound to call me i don't need to go in Uninvited, I don't need to respond to your word, I'll just wait until he calls me, it'll be soon, and then I'll share this. She didn't want to risk her life. Now, realize a very important biblical principle, and that's this when you are a servant of God, you may be called to lay down your life. You should never let The the possibility of death, persecution, suffering something in any way, cause you, dissuade you from obeying God. Esther had a policy. What the scripture is saying is that she had a history of being submissive to Mordecai. Now, she's questioning that in this circumstance. She ought not, and this is a vital question: What is Esther going to do? Is she going to obey and risk her life and go with urgency in obedience to the instruction of Mordecai, the man of God, risking her life to share this with the king, her husband Ahashverosh, or is she going to wait? In fear, in order that she can do so without any concern of of retaliation by the king. Now I want to end our study tonight with a a Hebrew idiom. It's it's misirut nefesh. The word misira is is passing. It's it's turning over, giving, and and nefesh is is one's uh, essence, life, in this context. So, miser nephesh is, is really laying down your life, giving yourself over. This is what Paul was speaking about. In Romans chapter 12, when he says that it's your, your well-pleasing service to God to offer your life up as a living sacrifice. We never worry about the consequences. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of my favorite biblical principles has been taught to me by Charles Stanley, who says, and if you've watched him at all, almost all of us have, he has said, obey God, and hopefully you know how it ends, and lead the consequences to him. What wisdom. So simple, but so very profound. Obey God and leave the consequences, the outcome, the results, to him. This is what Esther is being challenged. What is she going to do? Is she going to obey the man of God who speaks for God in her life, Mordecai? This authority that loves God, that serves God, that loves her, that's been a blessing to her. Is she going to do what he says or... Is she going to throw off the submissiveness that has has positioned her at this location? And as we'll see, for such a time. I share this with you because this Migilat Esther, this scroll of Esther, it has such practical truth in it for us as we approach the last days. We need to approach our life always, but even more so, These last days with this misirut nefesh, this willingness to lay down our life, to lose our life for obeying the truth of God. Well, Esther has a decision to make to make, and you as well, if not today, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, the next day, you will be put into a position where you're called to make a decision. Do I value my life more? then I value obedience to God. We're all going to be challenged if we live long enough with that question. Let's make the decision right now. God, I don't value my life more than I. I value your word and obedience to your instruction. This is where life is found. Remember what Messiah taught. Those who save their life ultimately will lose it. But those who lose their life for his sake will find it, find it in an eternal form, eternal life in the kingdom of God. When we think of it in that that vein, the answer is so simple. Always obey God. Don't worry about the consequences. Don't think, if I do this, what? You don't know. God knows. Walk with him and you'll never regret it. Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch